0: And welcome to the Board Shorts podcast brought to you by Get On Board Australia, the destination for new and aspiring board members and company directors. This podcast is called Board Shorts because boards and governance can sometimes be a really dry topic. And if I can't communicate board and director related concepts and information to you in 30 minutes or less, then I don't think I'm doing it right. I'm Lisa Cook, founder and managing director of Get On Board Australia, and I hope to make this podcast and the information I share valuable and useful to new and aspiring company directors and board members like you. Welcome to the show and thanks for listening. This episode is the first in a new series called Boardroom Insider of the Month, where I interview experienced board members and you get the inside information on how they started their board career, what their opinion is on essential board member skills, the future of the boardroom, their biggest boardroom challenge, and the advice that they have for new and aspiring board members. In this episode, I sit down with Michelle Pohl, company secretary and senior legal counsel at Oz Minerals and a board member of Netball SA. Michelle talks about why a Pilates class could lead to a board role, the value of having personal champions, why board members need to have courage, and three pieces of of advice for you if you're a new and aspiring board member. I hope you enjoy this episode and this new series. If you have any suggestions or requests for future show guests, please reach out via getonboardaustralia.com.au forward slash podcast. Michelle, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Now, I wanted to kick off to really ask about what your pathway was to the boardroom, either as your role on Netball SA or your role as company
1: secretary with Oz Minerals. Sure. I can talk about both because they're both very distinct and separate. So as company secretary of Oz Minerals I began in the legal the legal function and the assistant COSEC capacity and was supporting the general counsel and the company secretary at the time and essentially got to the point where he felt that I was ready to to be on my own in the boardroom. And so that's where it started from an Oz Minerals perspective. With Netball SA, it really stemmed from a a genuine interest in the sport. And it was a combination of of my interest in the organisation and some networking. So it was somebody that I did Pilates with that said to me, um, you know, Michelle, I think you'd be interested in this role. You'd be be great. You've got the right skills. Um, You know, it was a former lawyer that came off the board and uh, she said to me, you know, have a go, put your hand up. If you're interested, do it. And she knew that I was also friends with... A group of netballers so she knew that it would be something that's likely of interest to me and it was. So it was a combination of of my interest, um, networking and also perseverance I think. Um, I applied for it the first time around and was unsuccessful for the role. And then six months later another role on the board was advertised and so I put my hand up and tried again notwithstanding I was knocked back the first time and got the role. So that's the journey to the boardroom. Awesome a theme I picked up on is it seemed like you had a lot of
0: encouragement from people to really take on a role in the boardroom either as the company secretary which is a significant role or as a board member yourself do you think that without that encouragement from those people
1: that you would have pursued board opportunities look I think I think the answer is no. I think at Oz Minerals we're very lucky that we have a very supportive environment and a great culture. And when when they're looking to who's appropriate for a role like the company secretary, they don't necessarily look at people that have had twenty years' experience and um, you know are well experienced directors or office holders of companies. They look at people that have the right attitudes, the right behaviours, and can learn. So I think. Um, you know, that really gave me the confidence. Or or having Minerals see me as somebody who could um, succeed in the boardroom, in the COSEC role, really gave me the encouragement to put my hand up for the Netball SA role because Mm -hmm. I think there's a tendency to feel like you're too young or too inexperienced, particularly when you look at the the bios of the people around you and the other members of the board and you say, well, they've all been in chief executive roles Mm -hmm. for... 20 or more years, and mm. I've been in the COSEC capacity for one. So, yeah. you know, I think having that encouragement from my workplace really helped me um, get the confidence to put my hand up and also have, have other people see me as somebody who's capable um, it really gave me the encouragement to step up. Yeah, absolutely. I would have to agree with that personally.
0: <laughs> so what do you see as the, the essential skill or skills of great board members?
1: Yeah, I tend to look at um, I tend to look at this a little bit differently. So I think um, obviously you have to have the general business and strategic skills, and and you have to be able to you know read P and L statements and have a bit of um, financial knowledge as well as legal and governance. I think governance is a really important one these days. I think particularly. Uh, In light of the Banking Royal Commission and and investigations and inquiries that are going on um, in relation to banks, you have to have the ability to really cut through the noise Mm -hmm. and get to the crux of issues. I think that's a really big skill. Mm -hmm. So often things get very conversational in the boardroom and you need to be able to step back and say, well, hang on, forget the noise, Let's, let's actually talk about what matters here and what those key issues are. I think also one of the fallouts from the Royal Commission was the ability to identify signals mm. um, that that show you that the company's perhaps on a downward spiral. A lot of directors don't quite realise that things are going wrong until they really have gone wrong. So you need to be able to pick up on those signals. And another one falling out of, of the inquiries into banks at the moment is Having an ability to focus on non-financial risks in the company. Absolutely. So much emphasis is on financial risks, and there's so many other risks that are really important, and reputation is one of them. And I think you need to be able to see that. I think um, behaviours is another really important one. You have to, as a director, you have to make sure that you promote a clear tone from the top. um, And that's in terms of both your messaging and also your actions. this there's really got you you have to live and breathe what you're saying and what you're expecting others to do. I think um courage is is an interesting one and I think that's really important in the boardroom. You have to have, in my opinion, the the curiosity to ask questions and challenge management and other members of the board. Sometimes you can feel like the Lone Ranger mm-hmm. that is is sitting back and saying well hang on let's go back to that point i don't quite agree or can we unpack that a little bit more and that does take courage when you have a whole room of people that are on a different page to you so i think that's really important to have that skill and i think probably the final one that springs to mind is active contributors oh yes you know (laughs) there's no room around the board table for passengers, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. You need to contribute and that's not just in the boardroom and around the table, that's also outside. You know, you need to have a genuine interest in the organisation. So for netball it would be getting out to games, being involved in events at grassroots level or, um, you know, there's a whole, whole range of things, you know, going to council meetings and sitting on tribunals and all sorts of ways that you can participate as a director, that doesn't involve just sitting around the table and being involved in discussions. Absolutely, and that's one of board members' biggest frustrations is the lack of contribution
0: from other board members. Yes. Yeah, huge issue. Um, So how do you see your expertise marrying up with all of those, we'll call them general skills of board members, and how do you see your expertise
1: on top of that benefiting
0: the organisation through the boardroom? Yeah.
1: So obviously I see things through a legal and governance lens, which helps, and that's part of my role on the board. And I think being a part of an ASX-listed top 100 company, I hear our directors talk about things and raise issues and handle situations in really interesting ways, and I often use those skills and apply them to Netball SA, you know, it might be questions on crisis management, for example, Um, you know, being in a mining company, safety is a big issue. So it might be that we do mock trials on um, how to handle a safety incident, you know, potential fatality, for example, and what we would do internally to actually deal with the crisis situation. And then you can take that whole process and what I've learned from that and apply it to Netball SA and ask the question, you know, do we have a crisis management Process. Do people know what to do if somebody has a heart attack on court, and then we have to, you know, tell the media and handle stakeholders and um, and go through the whole process of notifying families, etc., etc. So I think that's just an example of some of the things I've learned from Oz that I can then apply at Netball SA. So I think that's that's a benefit. I think the other thing is, um, you know, generally enjoying networking. You know, I do like getting out and about. I do like going to games. I like the the pre-game functions. I enjoy um, speaking to life members of Netball SA. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's, um, I think that really helps me as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Having that connection to the people that you serve is hugely vital for board members to have that, um, those insights and just that point of view is really important. So from your exposures on these different boards and quite different organisations that they're from, and I would imagine um, the best word I can use to describe are different sophistication levels of the different boards, what's been your biggest challenge in your board career to
1: this point and what did you do to overcome it? So I think... The biggest challenge for me when I joined the Netball SA board was keeping up. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult in the first few meetings as a new board member to understand what everybody else is talking about. They obviously have the context and background and so others know exactly what they're saying and and understand everything, but then for the new member it's very difficult. You sit there and you're saying, what does that acronym mean? and oh, what do they mean by that and, and understanding the governance structure and the org structure as well when they're talking about people and you're thinking where do they sit in the world so to understand who's who in the zoo is is a big challenge I think the the way to overcome that is to ask questions there are no dumb questions and often as we all know the questions that you ask are things that other people probably are thinking absolutely so I think that's probably probably been my biggest challenge so far
0: yeah and I think it's something that we all face mm. I remember going through it it feels super awkward and you feel like you shouldn't be there because you just don't know anything that's right um, but we all have to have that sort of moment where we are getting indoctrinated into the way things are within that organisation but you're right it's perfect opportunity to ask the quote unquote stupid question mm. in the room that everyone's probably thinking of and dying to ask but also challenging the way things are done
1: yeah around there they're perfect opportunities for. and I think to take comfort in the fact that it does take time to learn and somebody said to me it takes 12 months to really settle in as a director wow because by the time you um you know you figure out one area of the business something else is changing and so it takes a long time before you're actually embedded and you know other board members but you also understand who's who in the zoo and who people are so it takes It takes a good year, I think. Wow. Yeah,
0: I guess so. When you're not in the business every day and you're only coming in once a month or once every second month or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. So what value then do you personally get from the boardroom, from being on boards, from serving a
1: board? What value do you get? Look, I think for me, there's both personal and professional value. In a professional sense, it really helps you to develop as a leader And it helps me to, uh, you know, as I said earlier, understand, uh, be a little bit empathetic with directors, I think, and understand that they come in blind and that you need to make sure you give them the information. They put their reliance and trust in you to give them critical information about the business. And so I think, you know, for me, it's really helped me with um, my Oz role because I know exactly what directors expect to see and why they need to see it and that you have to do everything in your power to help them understand. Because on the other side of the table, when you are when you are a director and you read something out of context, it's really difficult to be able to add value and, and really think about things deeply if you don't know the context. So I think it's helped me in that regard. I think it's also helped me to see beyond the obvious and focus on leaders in the company Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know lots of things are taken as as read in board meetings and you know sometimes you do need to say well hang on no this is a big issue let's actually discuss it so but to recognize that it is a big issue i think is a skill Mm -hmm. otherwise you're just relying on management to say we don't need to talk about this but you can just note that Mm -hmm. i think personally it's satisfying being a director Mm -hmm. so i think it has a lot of benefit in that regard it's really nice in a on a board like Netball SA to really see the difference you're making in the community and to be involved in the community. It's almost a hobby. So, you know, often people think, I'd like to do something else with my time. I'd like to, um, you know, get a hobby, go and play golf or do something mm-hmm. like that. And I think it's really, um, that's what Netball The Netball SA board is, to me, is that, you know, it's a hobby. It's a hobby. It helps me professionally, and I really enjoy it personally. Mm. That's the main thing. Yeah, Yeah. enjoying it. It's a huge thing. That's right.
0: So thinking back to your um, board career to date, what do you think is a negative aspect about
1: board service that no one talks about? Oh, look, I think, hands down, it can be a really, really thankless job. Um, management see you as demanding and, uh, well, not all management, but, you know, you can be seen as demanding. Um, You know, management sort of, I think, can feel as though they've got to prepare all this information for you that you're not even looking at and it's just a waste of everybody's time. Um, And when things go wrong, you tend to get the finger pointed at you and everybody blames the board and says, what is the board doing about this? And I think people don't understand the distinction between management, the role of management and the role of the board. And so you you tend to get criticised, and I think that's a a negative part of the role. Um, You don't often get praise or recognition for the things that you do right because people see that as being a part of your role, Um, you know, to keep the organisation afloat, to make sure there are no material risks or concerns that are really affecting the business. So uh, I think, yeah, just the fact that it's thankless, or can be thankless, not always, but can be really thankless, is probably a negative negative side of it.
0: Yeah, no, I think I would agree with that. Mm. (laughs) I've certainly experienced that, Mm. uh, which is fine. It's just part of the job. That's right. (laughs) Now, you've mentioned the Royal Commission, um, and there's another one coming into aged care, so that's going to be extraordinarily fascinating Mm. from a governance angle. And you've already picked out a few things about the way that governing an organisation will have to change for people. And just how we, uh, as board members, as directors, adapt to community and society expectations. I'm wondering if you have any other views or opinions on what the future of the
1: boardroom looks like. Yeah, look, I think the landscape, the governance landscape, is just going to change dramatically dramatically really dramatically, I think there's going to be more and more scrutiny on directors, um, much more accountability. I've even heard people say to me recently that they've always had a desire to sit on boards. However, now it's all getting too hard. Directors' liability and the risks involved in being a director are beginning to really outweigh the benefits for the individuals. You know, people have to remember that directors are personally liable for mm-hmm. for the governance and the running of the business. So, if things go pear shaped, um, you know they're responsible. It's it's their neck on the line. So, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be an interesting thing that how I, I suppose how directors manage um, that increased scrutiny. I think um, stakeholders are starting to really demand a lot more transparency as well so the reporting entities reporting and information that they put out there in the ether is really going to start changing we're probably going to see a lot more things that are typically kept in-house have to be announced externally and i also think that the you know from a sustainability perspective there's a lot of emphasis on setting the business up for the future and so i think that's going to be a real focus of Boards going forward the the questions that will start to be asked will be around you know how do things how does this decision that we're making today affect what's going to happen in five years and ten years and who can answer that question that's right but you know you need to start thinking more long term so boards boards think you know in the short immediate term immediate term um but long term is I think going to be a focus and I think that's going to be a big shift in the way we do things and I think, again, that comes from all of these new governance requirements that are going to fall out of these Royal Commissions and inquiries into big organisations. If you look at what the, the crux of a lot of those issues are, it is around governance, culture, transparency, accountability. So I think for directors to get a grasp on all of these things means they're going to have to change the agenda in the boardroom. And they're going to have to start thinking about those issues and asking questions with those issues in mind.
0: Yeah, and it's difficult, particularly if you're a larger organisation with quite vocal stakeholders or even shareholders. There's always that way up between the short-term and the long-term. And I was reading some articles recently because as we're recording this, we're in AGM season, yeah. as we call it, around October, November and there's a lot of um what they call proxy firms who are coming out on behalf of shareholders and being quite vocal around a number of things that companies are doing or not doing and the argument has been around that balance between short-term dividends that a a shareholder can realize versus that long-term sustainability and where do you how do you manage that focus where do you spend all the time do you do you keep thinking long-term sustainability at the cost of dividends and upsetting your shareholders they're the people who vote you onto the board so it's really this fine tricky balance and then if you do start thinking more long-term in your decisions they're going to be the first ones complaining and voting you off the board
1: so, I don't know, do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, look, I think it ties into your earlier question about what the skills of a good board member are, and I think the ability to balance the short-term interests of the company and stakeholders with those long-term interests and the sustainability of the business. You have to think with the two hearts, and you have to ask questions and make decisions with both in mind. It's not enough anymore just to say, "Well, at the time, this is the information I had, and this is the decision that we made." You have to really think down the track a little bit more because it is a sustainability of organisations is a really big thing. And look, I think um, the other thing that is going to be changing in the boardroom in years to come is the pace at which things operate. Mm-hmm. So. You know, there's obviously lots and lots of technological innovation now. Um, you know, many directors are forced to stop receiving their board packs, um, you know, paper board packs. They have to receive them electronically or on a digital platform. And no longer can they just go flicking around and, um, you know, write comments on a Word document and send it back to management. It all has to... You know, Cyber is a big risk, so it all has to... Um, be looked at in that really secure sort of electronic environment, and I think that's going to be something that changes the way the boardroom operates. It's you know we're used to getting together and sitting down, and um, everybody has their board packs, and we have good discussions, and we send emails and communication amongst ourselves. But it's going to it's going to change, and even um, being aware of like cyber security risks yeah. is a big one. It should be on everybody's risk register. Cyber security. And so I think that things will change. The boardroom will evolve in that regard because these risks that didn't even exist 10 years ago are now well and truly on the agenda. Mm. So I think it's, it's going to be an interesting time. So how do you feel that long-term existing board members
0: adapt to that? Because you see a lot of very old established organisations struggling as technology evolves and the, the ones I always go back to are the big retail sort of outlets and you look to the board and some of them have been there for quite a long time or retired before even the iPhone was invented. And so they just have no awareness of life lived through a device. Mm -hmm. How do you stay up to
1: speed? So I think directors have to embrace change. I think that's the first step. Everybody has their preferences in the way they operate. And if you asked me six months ago whether I would enjoy hot desking at Oz Minerals and sitting in a different seat every day and being paperless, I would've said, absolutely not. I'm a lawyer, how could I possibly be paperless? I need my textbooks, I need my Corporations Act, I need you know my articles and journals and all these other things that I like to have around me because that's the way I'm used to operating. When you can actually get all of them online now, so I think that the first step is to embrace change. And, again, it's the tone from the top. If you are a business that's going out and saying, you know, we're, we're paperless, we're going to do everything we can to be paperless, yet every director is receiving their board pack by paper, then I just think, you know, it's, it's not the way of operating. I think you need to embrace that change. And I think management and, and board support, company secretary included, need to always think about new and innovative ways of doing things. And for some organisations, they don't have the funds to go and have um, a, a board program like Diligent or Board for directors to receive their board papers on and easily be able to navigate their way through materials provided by management. So management needs to be thinking, you know, how can we keep up to speed, even though we don't have the budget to have all the bells and whistles, how do we keep up to speed? And there are many ways you can do it, and there are many pieces of information that you can cut out you don't even need to give that to the board mm. we've seen it time and time again so finding efficiencies and um thinking of innovative solutions and thinking outside the box i think are all really important important yeah. things that need to be done yeah, yeah i think even beyond the boardroom for anyone in their career yeah to use that
0: yeah um so finishing up what pieces of advice would you give to new
1: and aspiring board members I think there's probably three key pieces of advice that I would give. I think the first one is, it doesn't matter what age you are, what stage of your career you're at, how many boards you've sat on. I think you really need to persist. I think you need to persist not only with getting onto the board. As I said earlier, my experience was the first time around I was unsuccessful and the second time I was successful. So I think persist in that regard and also persist in taking the time to get up to speed and learn who's who in the zoo don't beat yourself up if you get into the boardroom and you think i don't know what anybody's talking about and i can't Mm -hmm. contribute and Mm -hmm. i've said nothing the whole time and i feel terrible about myself no need to feel that way just persist i think the other one is to really prepare make sure you set aside time to read and understand the board papers and put together some questions and really think about things in depth. There's an expectation that directors think outside the box and that's why we're lucky enough to be in that boardroom because we have the skills to do that mm-hmm. and we're responsible for the entity and I think you can never lose sight of that when you're preparing for a board meeting. You need to be thinking strategically and and thinking about those issues that are actually key levers for the company Um, you know, don't ask a question about when the vending machine is going to be stocked up because it's not relevant. Focus on the important things in the company. Absolutely. I think the other thing is to participate. That is really important. There's lots of stakeholders in every business that look to the board to, to set the tone and to manage the culture. And I think... Being a board member is more than just reading papers and attending meetings. It is about being a part of the community, going to games, attending council meetings, taking an interest in the players and perhaps even their families and other stakeholders. Um, you know, it's actually really enjoyable once you um, once you get involved in that side of it. Particularly in netball, my I've had a great experience the past year on the Netball SA board because it hasn't been just about attending a meeting once a month. It's been about getting to know lots of other people in the community and other stakeholders. And I've learned a lot, both personally and professionally, and I think it's just been a great experience. And if you want the most out of your board experience, get involved. Get involved and participate because the the more you know about the business and enjoy the business and, you know, really value your time – being part of it, the more you get out of the board role, but the more the board will get out of you. Yeah, absolutely. Great
0: advice. So thank you so much for sharing an insight into your board world, Michelle. It's been fantastic. Lots of tips um, that I've picked up uh, and no doubt our listeners as well. So thank you for your time. Thanks for having me.